Welcome to Pink Elephant's Practitioner Radio 2.0, bridging the gap between data and wisdom. With your host, Troy Dumoulin, Vice President, Research, Innovation, and Product for Pink Elephant, and Chris Dancy, Data Exhaust Cartographer and Enterprise Apophenia,ic exploring the technology nuances of our connected world. Welcome to Practitioner Radio 2.0, our second episode, but technically episode 55. 55. 55. This is our third year of being here at Pink Elephant doing this. So for those of you who don't know, we record Practitioner Radio every... Every two weeks or every so? Every two weeks. It seems like every day. Well, that's just because, you know, you, you miss me, Chris. I, I actually do miss you. Uh, so we record Practitioner Radio. Uh, you can get it twice a week. It's out on Troy's blog. It's out on the Pink Elephant blog. Um, we spent almost three years kind of talking about you know, core practitioner issues, and then we've kind of pivoted now, and we've expanded the scope of practitioner radio, as we talked about in episode 54. You want to just talk a little bit about the expanded scope? Yeah, so 54, we kind of said there's a big, bright new world out there, and, uh, you know, we've always talked about service management, classic technology, applications and servers and services relative to, you know, corporate IT or business unit IT, but now there's this world of endpoint technology evolving, right? So in in 2.0, we were talking about, you know, the insulin pump and your, your pacemaker and your refrigerator and potentially your toaster are all going to be connected to business intelligence and data services. So you have to really think now beyond classic IT boundaries where the IT support enablement service delivery model is to the endpoint consumer. Because, you know, the question is, why should there be a difference between the customer-facing call center and the back office IT service desk? when reality says that all these technologies now have to be linked out through this service uh, taxonomy, service structure right to the endpoint consumer. This is a key thing. So the, the conversation has widened. We have to widen with it. And, and, and widen or slim down. It's a perspective. It's a, it, it is a perspective. It is a perspective. So uh, we were going to start off today. Uh, we ran a little bit of, I guess, data analytics. We did. And, and we thought we'd, uh, we went through the pink agenda, and we wanted to see... If you took all the submissions and you looked at the top 10 phrases and the bottom 10 phrases, what were the things people were coming to see? So are you ready for the top 10? Go for it. All right, so I'm going to go from the number, number 10 up to the word that appears the most. All right, number, number 10, leadership, appears 25 times in the program. The word customer appears 32 times. Real, you know, people like real. Real appears 32 times, uh, support uh, 37 times, team 55 times, change 77 times. And that's people change as well as org change. Right? Yeah, it's change. ITIL change. I like that. ITIL, speaking of ITIL, that, that comes in at rocket number four at 107 <laughs> mentions in the program. What do you think number three is? You're cheating. I am cheating. Process. Process is three at 117 mentions. At two, we have ITSM at 132 mentions, but at number one, can we get a drum roll, someone? All right, first person to get a drum roll gets a book. All right, Earl Begley, you got a book. All right, sorry about that. Um, I, don't worry, I won't throw books at everyone. I know Earl. Um, number one, manage, 209 mentions. You know, so the leadership and the, the manage comes up a lot. Thanks. Uh, and this is actually part of the conversation we've been having with our customers is that, you know, we've been doing this service management journey for almost 20 years, Chris, and a lot of organizations have struggled to take this pretty far or to take it far beyond their small area of influence. And the challenge isn't the fact that 
you know, the practices are known. There are tools out there as evidenced in the vendor hall here today. The challenge is leadership and accountability where the senior leadership is providing a governance framework that basically enables the organization to agree. Mm. Now, the other thing, the thing I said yesterday, because I did a session on organizational change, the first premise is we have to believe as a group of IT functions within an organization that even a common belief system is necessary. Think about that for a minute. Really, do we have a common view of truth across various business unit IT functions, mm. suppliers? Mm. Do we even believe that's necessary? Mm. And leadership is supposed to be basically helping us get there. So I think... Um, manage, manage at 209, leadership at 25. So it's definitely there is a pivot that leadership is coming up, up in the uh, ranks. Now, now, bottom 10. So you could look at the bottom of 10 and say, these are issues that aren't important or maybe not as hot as they used to be. But I think it's interesting to look at the bottom 10. So coming in at number 10 on the bottom of the list, CMDB. Yeah, poor old CMDB. Yeah, that's that the least mentioned thing in the program. <laughs> uh, peer, the word peer is at the bottom. Self-service at the bottom, number seven. That's interesting, Chris. Why do you think that is? Because you actually have a, a session I have a on session it. on self-service. I was kind of happy I was in the minority. Uh, marginalization of my skill set always makes me feel spectacularly special. Uh, no laughing at the inside jokes. So, um, no, I, I don't. Self-service, I think, is one of those things. We've been doing it for 20 years, and, you know, we don't really, you know, we think it's a good idea, but I don't know. I, I, have, I have things in my session I'm going to hold off on. Um, actually, the word fail. So I thought that was really interesting. Somebody, enough people submitted that the word fail showed up. BYOD is in the bottom, so it's no longer as, as hot as what people aren't talking. What do you think is going on? Well, you know, the trends keep coming and they keep going, yeah, right? So, that's why they're trends. So now people are talking about consumerization thank of you, IT. Thank you, thank you. They're talking about uh, endpoint technology, talking about Internet of Things, but yeah. the reality is it's, it's, all, it's all tied up together. Yeah. But BYOD, was, it, you know, was that yesterday's term? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But wait a minute, even more shocking than BYOD being at number seven. At number six on the bottom, mobile. Well, basically, we've accepted it's a reality. Yeah, I think, it's, I think that's an acceptance thing. We're out of our data closet. <laughs> we've right. come out of the closet. Uh, <laughs> practitioner, thank you for those laughing. Whoever, whoever last laughs, here's a book up here for you. Get it at the end. Um, and, and anybody else who laughs, we have gifts. We love feedback. No, you keep laughing, we have feedback. When I run out of books, I have cash. Uh, number number uh, uh, four on the bottom ten, practitioner. So people are, people are just doing. Number three, cloud. Uh, number two on the bottom ten, incident. And then number one on the uh, bottom ten, problem. So is that what people are interested and not interested in, or simply what the sessions? It's just what the sessions. So we took all yeah. the sessions, everyone who submitted a session, who was accepted, we took all of those words and, and, and we found it. So, Again, the top three words in the agenda, manage ITSM process, bottom three words, problem, incident, cloud. A lot Anybody of the, in the audience want to take a guess on that? How about Craig Wilkie? He's, he's eating. He's, he's eating. He's, All right, so uh, there's a difference between popular and ubiquitous. It's basically, it's, you know, it's there, everyone's doing it, and we take it for granted now. So. I love going to sessions on problem management. Do you? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. 
But you know, a lot of people who are here at the event have a task to do, right? They have been given a job. They have to do something. They have to create a service desk. You have to do a change process. They have to implement release management, right? Whatever that means. So the, I can understand why manage is a very top, popular topic because people un, want to understand how to get something done, yep. right? And that how to, we're at an ITSM event, obviously, is ITSM or in a process for the most part. But we can't ignore all the things which are coming into play, basically making our lives more complex. For example, uh, every second conversation I seem to be having with customers today is about ITSM and something else. I was in Mexico recently, and the second word out of everyone's mouth was governance and or COVID. That'd be hola. No, that was the third. Thank you. You can't get two books. I appreciate it. So they were talking a lot about governance. Here, uh, it's interesting. Governance is not such a hot topic, even though I'm doing a session on governance and COVID later today. Uh, Governance seems to be less of an interest. What the hot topic here is DevOps. It's the alignment of the development, the build shop, and all this stuff we've been talking around service management. I wrote a paper on uh, DevOps and ITSM defining value from two sides of the same coin. And the way I look at it is DevOps is very focused on feature-based, uh, rapid iteration, rapid release, you know, chunking up development and design and release into smaller bite-sized chunks to get higher value at a faster speed. But you can't forget that feature is not the only aspect to customer experience. There's the non-functional aspects. Right? You have to understand that if you build a product with lots of features, but it's barely usable, it's not a good product either. So service management, in my view of things, gives you the non-functional experience aspect. You have to do your architectural review still. You still have to go through your security aspects. You, think, you have to think about capacity and availability um, aspects to that. So I really believe, and that's one of the premises of the session I'm doing tomorrow, Dev and Ops under uh, True Tribes under one flag, you have to combine feature-based conversation and the right size non-functional. No. I, I agree with that. So, so you something. wanted to shift now after the trends to kind of shift into, you want to talk about the, the, the mixture of DevOps and, and, and why you think it's such a hot topic in the blending. Well, the reason why it's something I want to talk about more is because we often, we often focus on one thing. For example... The DevOps has always talked about you know, speed and agility, that's key. Automation is also key. Being able to bring ops forward, though, is another aspect of DevOps. Now, in one sense, that means in a world where hardware is software, and I can build configurations based on scripts to deploy uh, infrastructure network components as predefined, pre-compiled elements which have already gone through my validation and testing, have been approved by standard change, all that's good stuff, and I can do that in the design mode and basically take the human element out, that's all good. That's the speed aspect of DevOps. But another aspect of DevOps that is not getting the importance it needs is what ITIL talks about, um, the assurance side, the quality of experience. For example, we talk about a service design package in ITIL, right? And a service design package in in a general sense is what are all the artifacts that I have to assemble in the design build phase that allow me to basically deliver this thing seamlessly in the future. For example, one of those is a support model. So it doesn't matter if I script the release and provisioning of my infrastructure, I still have to figure out when it goes live, who's gonna support it? 
How do I classify it in my incident ticketing tool? Yep. What's my first, second, third level support model going to be for this? What's its business impact for triage or prioritization? Right, that has to be defined up front. So you have to get that activity built into a sprint to create the support model. But that's not going to be something that a developer is front of mind on. Right? You still have to do your architecture review yep. as part of your design. Yep. That, but the DevOps people will say, that's just going to slow me down. I can't afford to basically wait for the architecture or security group to basically go and do their thing. There's a lot of risk in that. So there's a natural tension. DevOps wants to go fast, 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 and only focus on the stuff the customer wants or seems to want, which is a feature. The ops people say, let's secure, let's trust, let's, let's assure. We have to make sure the balance stays in play. But we can't be too rigid, right? And that's where we get, you know, crucified, saying you, you guys are just too slow. We're going to overrun you and go around you. But we can't just let go of all assurance, all non-functional requirements. So the ITIL camp, the service management, will say, stop, right, sometimes. In the name of love. DevOps will say, you're not necessary anymore in the new world. <laughs> but neither is true. No. You need a balanced approach. And we, we did a lot of shows last year where we talked about, we actually had a show where we did a whole, you made me learn Agile, you learned, what, in 10 minutes you made me learn? Yeah, there was a great video, Scrum in 10 minutes. Yeah, Scrum, so he calls me up and he says, Chris, I need you to learn Scrum in 10 minutes. I'm like, I what? I can't. We're recording five minutes, you know. But uh, we did a couple of shows on that. But I, I do think there's a very human element to this, the fact that um, uh, people seem to almost rail against DevOps and this whole idea of uh, fast iterations. Uh, so much so that you wonder why, what is it that they are so afraid of? Um, and then you've got people who are embrace it, obviously. And I, I never quite understood why, why you have the two extreme camps. It's because we live in this world of uh, opposing values. Yeah. The build side is all about uh, speed, time and money. Yeah. The op side is all about secure. It's all about you know, protect. Yeah. Both camps have a valid point of reference. Yeah. What we have to find is based on risk, models of variance on, on both. Some projects, this might, you know, if you're a scrum enthusiast, some projects may still require more of a waterfall approach, mm. right? Some projects are better handled under a scrum, release multiple sprint perspective. In fact, if you think about it, Prince2, for those of you who are familiar with Prince2 as a project management methodology, is kind of like, Scrum at a larger level, the primary basis of that is that there are gated aspects to the release or build lifecycle. The key point of Scrum that gives us value, yes, speed and multiple iterations, chunking up my design build release into smaller pieces so I can see value quicker, but it's also about make sure every time we go through a release, let's verify the assumptions we started with, yep. let's verify the requirements, does what we thought we were building still make sense at some point? Yep. The biggest challenge with classic waterfall is that it gets weighed down too far down the path before someone asks the question, does this still make sense? But you can still create gated milestones or gated validation and verification checks even when you use more classic project management approaches. This is what Prince2 does. So, or the, or the, the artist formerly known as... Or as yeah. Prince, right. So... so um, Kind of moving on, let's, let's just dive into a little 2.0 material. You, okay. want, you want to just dive in a little bit of that? 
let's broaden it up. Let's broaden it up a little bit. So I thought I'd wear some, some electronics today. Basically, you douse water on me, I'm going to electrocute myself. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, I'm, Chris. I'm, I'm covered in them. So uh, what, what, what role, I mean, as, as, as you're now, you have a new title. Uh, what is your new title? Uh, Vice President of Innovation, Research, and Product Development. Now, how do you get that on a card first? <laughs> I mean, that, that's like a wraparound. Yeah, I choose one word or the other based on who I'm talking there you to. Go, there you go. That's what I always do. You make negotiations. Uh, how, how do you feel about wearables? And do you think some of these companies will start saying they want to manage wearables and will they support wearables and uh, the, all this tech? How many of you have a Fitbit on or some type of tracker? How many? A couple of you. How many are you using your phone for some type of health reasons? Look at this. Look at this. Amazing. How many of you are freaked out I'm wearing Google Glass? I know. So there's one of you. Wearables in the enterprise. So the, uh, I think, as we were talking about in our last show, uh, it's emerging right now, and it's, it's coming through areas such as personalized consumer devices, such as the ones you're wearing. Uh, but I think the real entry point of wearable devices is going to come in the, in the medical and the health realm. Right. I mentioned earlier the insulin pump or the pacemaker, um, and Google has recently come out with a, uh, it's a contact lens that measures the glucose level of your, uh, your blood so that for diabetics they can understand, you know, they're tracking. The reality is all of these health devices are connected not just well, to personal tracking. Lenses. From a service management standpoint, they reduce the friction between collecting the information for your blood, because now it's just there. You don't have to prick your finger and swab it, test it, record it. The, the contact lens is just picking it up. So yep. in a lot of ways, it's like really frictionless self-service. And this data sources are not just being consumed by you. They're going back into your healthcare professional. Yeah. Yeah. They're going back into... This is where I believe wearable devices will gain real-time adoption. Right. It's because organizations, excuse me, individuals will want to have their health managed and you know, supported in this way. If the insulin pump is is disconnected from the internet, we've got a problem now, yeah. though. That's the challenge to this interconnectivity issue. Yeah. Well, we used to worry about the lights going out. Now we worry about if the internet goes down. Well, I, in, I mean, in... The other day, I actually had to pick up a book. <laughs> I, I, I just, I went, and I'm like, what is this thing? And I, and I, I, I held it, and did you know they go in order from beginning to end? I had forgotten that. Yeah, I think there's, there's the advantage side. What I worry about, and what a lot of people worry about, though, is the, is the risk and dependency side. Right, because okay. let's say all these things are connected to the net. Yep. Um, I'll use the Xbox One launch we just went through. If those of you are gamers who have kids who are gamers, you may have heard about the uproar. What's happening is that devices, as they become basically ingrained with information technology and depend on being connected to the net, are depending on that even for activation and use, not just if it has a failure or incident. So you literally have to be able to plug in your Xbox One before before you would be able to use it. Your iPhone, you can't start an iPhone and it connects to an internet source, right? Yeah. Samsung is announcing that it's creating a platform to connect all of its home appliances. And the home appliance will want to find its internet connectivity before you're able to wash your clothes. Well, let's say, right? How many people have something at home connected? A, uh, a Nest thermostat, we got somebody, anybody else got anything connected at home? Any connected devices? Nothing, you just have internet? You, you got something at home, what do you have connected? All right, here, you get a book, whoever you are. There you go. I can't... I, I didn't oh, hear the read. answer, though. Here's a book for you. Uh, so, so now, you know, I was talking to someone the other day. I said, how, you know how we had a problem when we had BYOD? People brought their own devices. 
how are we going to manage when people are, are used to going home and having these very connected lives and then come to work and we put them in these systems that they just want to choke? I just think there's, we've got a, a major problem coming online here. A this is a diaper for God that tells you your baby's safe. I mean, if my diaper's talking to me, I, I want something better than, than the ERP system. Well, there's a couple levels here. There's, all right. There's, Talk I, me off the ledge. Okay. First of all, the challenge of being able to buy a device that's not connected will become a yeah. challenge, right? The ability to unplug eventually is going to be a challenge. Yeah. Because you won't have options when devices are all connected. And you're not going to make a choice whether you want to, because who out there can actually find a phone that's just a phone today? Right? Think about Superman. that. Superman. I mean, he's got no boot to run into. So, well, there's that phone, but even just <laughs> mobile phones. They're all smartphones, yeah. right? They all require Actually, a data connection. Actually, last year was the first year uh, smartphones outsold feature phones. Last year was the first year. Soon we're not going to be able to buy home appliances that don't connect to the net. You're not going to have the option. Next time you replace it, it's going to need this. No, my washer and dryer, they told me to upgrade the firmware. I said, how? They said, well, it's, it's on Wi-Fi. I said, my washer and dryer doesn't have Wi-Fi. I, I didn't even know. So then I had to get in there and figure out how to... If you thought it was hard configuring a router at 80, you know, 91, you should try putting this thing on rinse cycle and talking to the Wi-Fi. It was, like, ridiculous. Yeah. So there I, I finally get the download flashed, right, and it goes updating, updating. I'm like, this is just freaky. No. Uh, and then, I, th then I, I swear it said, I'm sorry, Chris, I'm afraid I can't wash that. You, know? well, you have weird devices anyway. I do have weird devices. But the reality is you're making fun of it. The challenge is at some point we're not going to have options to buy non-connected devices. Now that puts us in to a dependency mode not, that we may not want to be in. Because now I can't wash my clothes while it's updating. I mean, I can't play my computer game right now while the software is updating. It forces me to do an update, and it makes me wait an hour to play. Right? That's, this, is, this is the challenge. And when they break, now I have no choice, basically, to go without. Yep. Now, that's the personal side of the equation. Now, we all work for IT organizations where our job is to deliver services, and when it, when it breaks, support them. We're going to be supporting endpoint devices. You already are if you're in a business unit IT. We have uh, one of our customers sells big green tractors. You might know who that customer is. And big green tractors. Big green ones. Okay, let me think. All and right. uh, they have a saying, uh, first, we're an iron company, obviously, but second, we're a data company. I go, what? Yeah, all these tractors are out there are connected to business intelligence uh, data sources, and the farmers are tracking the seed uh, propagation, the, uh, where the yields are coming from. And so a big part of their business now is business intelligence. So now there's a service desk call via, yes, the dealership, okay, or the direct hotline for, from a farmer in a field because his tractor is now disconnected from the global positioning system in the Internet. Now, I, I, I have friends who are farmers. That might be hard to believe, but I, I grew up on a farm. Um, and farmers, they were some of the most connected, technologically savvy people out there. I mean, they had I'm not, just, I'm not decrying not just, farmers. I'm saying it's, it's really interesting. I, think, I wonder if we could get a farmer to do a session at Pink next year, because it is just crazy how connected these systems are for them. Everything is connected. That's my point, yeah. right? But now our processes, yeah. our systems of record, but you, you our gotta, support models. You have to wonder if, if farmers aren't a model for understanding a very connected future. They are, because they're maybe at the far point of the end point, yeah. right? But now our monitoring tools are tracking endpoint devices. But if we, a farmer who has a restaurant, 
basically he's got uh, egg laying uh, to, to table, right? And he's got all the systems in between. I just think a farmer, we might have stumbled onto like a nugget here. We'll, we'll take the... Um... Farmers might be the Rosetta Stone of the future. <laughs> what are you doing? Farmers, the Rosetta Stone of the future. Okay, <laughs> whatever, well, that, Did you see what I'm saying? I'm I was just using it as an analogy. You know oh, that. okay, I was, I was really getting into it. But you know what? Um, if, let's take, go back to the healthcare. Yeah. Let's say my pacemaker, which is connected, it has chips, it has wires, it has data now flowing out of it, it stops. There's an, a monitoring alert in a network operating center that someone's pacemaker's, pacemaker's just gone off. Let's talk about urgency for event management. Yeah. Right? This is not, this is not fantasy stuff, folks. Yeah. This is happening right now. And we're barely able to, to support internal support issues because we don't have uh, trued up support models and incident management systems. We're so fragmented and everybody has their own ticketing system. And now we're going to have to support endpoint technologies where someone's pacemaker has just gone offline. And it might be a data center issue or a change or release that was done that actually stopped it. This means a bad change can kill somebody. Do you understand the implications of this? This isn't fantasy, this is now. And we're barely ready to basically even handle internal stuff. Yeah. But you think about this, you know, consumer electronics show, CES, and all this hype about Internet of Things. No, we're the people who have to support the plugged-in refrigerator. In the end, we're just, all of us, endpoints on the, or nodes on the Internet, we're nodes on the network, right? But, you know, the... the which gets into the governance thing, but also gets into a privacy issue, right? Because a lot of people don't like all these devices people wear because they go, I'm losing my privacy. I think there's some privacy aspects. And I've long said, if, if we could say anything about the NSA, they're doing good documentation. There's your glass half full. Sorry, glass half full. If you're going to track everything, I mean, get the NSA in your organization because they can, they, can, they can handle this. So I, why don't we just you know, you said the word NSA. Now, now this show is going to be monitored. Do, do you not think they're following me? I basically had to, like, I've got drones, like, flying monkeys in the hall. It's ridiculous. Uh, let's open it up some questions, because we're getting near the top of the hour. And we'll, we'll talk to some of the audience. We'll get some questions and some feedback. And if you don't feel like it, we'll just, I've got two books left. Uh, we'll, we'll just do that. So any questions about, I guess, the DevOps thing, uh, the uh, you know, ITSM? We've kind of gone all over the map here. We've got all over the map. It was, a, it was well, we had to blend the two shows. We had the agenda, which were the top 10, bottom 10, or wearables, tech, and, and stuff. So we'll start off. And anybody with any questions, now's the time to look on your phone, pretend you're not paying. Questions, questions, questions. Come on, I'll call on someone. Craig Wilkie, ask me a question. He's oh, got nothing. Come on, Craig. And you're knowledge management. How do, what do you think this has to do with knowledge management? That's a good point. We've got to repeat that, though, said, for that. You know, if, 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 uh, if, if you monitor usage on someone's phone with a technology, there's a bunch of them out there, AirWatch and stuff that there is a form of knowledge management that you could actually anticipate or maybe help them uh, get the information they're looking for. So context awareness and things like that. So very interesting use of knowledge management and wearables and these uh, connected world. Anybody else with connected world or wearables Anything. or 2.0 questions? Something must be burning. How many people want to know how many sensors I'm wearing? <laughs> well, that... Let me, uh, let me share something with you yeah. based on a conversation. It combines service management and endpoint technology. So I was speaking with a customer not too long ago, business unit IT, managing endpoint technology yep. to a consumer, yep. okay? And this was separate and distinct from corporate shared services, yep. data center, infrastructure operations. 
And um, they were telling me that, you know, now because we are devices, our intelligent devices, this is the healthcare industry, we need to implement service management because yeah. we, now, we now need to have some break, fix processes and change process. They always did, but now it was more critical that they were doing it. And I said, that sounds great. I'm, so, I'm glad you've seen the light. I didn't say that, but I'm thinking this. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, you know, now you're going to need to probably have a common process with the other parts of your organization, uh, like your operations folks. You're going to have to be connected and have at least a common support model for, you know, the fact that you're managing what is, in effect, an endpoint technology dependent on backend technologies. It says, no, no, we don't think we're going to do that. I said, why? I said, well, we want to be flexible so that when we choose whoever we want to plug into as a backend service provider, we could do anyone. We can go with corporate IT, and we can go with uh, Amazon, or we could go with any third-party supplier. So we have our processes set so that we can basically be plug-and-play. Well, first of all, that's not a negative thing. Okay, no. That's, that's a, a valid business case, but there is a cause and effect here. They were choosing to replicate all of the processes. They were buying their own system for monitoring. They were buying their own service management tools. And so it was a viable decision, but you understand the cost and effect of this decision. They were making redundancy a strategic choice. Now, was it viable? Maybe yes or no. But the reality is that the cost of doing so has to be considered. They're still going to have to connect with whatever back-end supplier they're going to need, right? So they're going to have to have their things defined. So I'm not saying that's a good thing or bad thing, but realize when you say you're going to do that, what it means to the complexity of your support model. Mm. That's key. Understand that part at least. Mm. Right? So that's an endpoint technology conversation introducing the service management discussion. Another interesting concept is, uh, how many of you have heard of this, this, this little company out of Atlanta called Coke? Anybody heard of this Coca-Cola company? Little, little mom and pop shop. Uh, they have these, these big fountain machines now. They're called Freestyle. freestyle. Yeah. Seen freestyle. These? I, I tweeted on when I had it. I went to a burger joint with my sons the other day, and there was a Freestyle right there. Yeah, so you can touch the screen. You can mix your own drink. Well, first off, well, I want to I wanna complain a little bit. And I, I told Coke this because I'm working with Coke. Uh, they upgraded the, the, the UI on one of them, and I didn't know how to mix my Coke. Now, remember when Windows used to upgrade and you couldn't find, like, oh, where is everything now? It's different when you want a beverage. I'm just saying, I mean, it's okay to connect this world, but... Okay, so that freeze, you know, I, you had a bad customer experience. I'm sorry to hear yeah, that. Thanks. But th that's a good example of uh, a, a business-managed device. I knew what to touch to get my Coke, okay. and then they updated it. Because that freestyle is connected to the supply chain systems. Yeah. Because it basically notifies the supply chain when to re replenish. But you could tell them it's, it's online all the time. It's connected to my ERP systems because it's, it's tracking the, the acquisition and the purchasing uh, across all the, all the devices, all the consumers. So it's using business intelligence now to track product consumption processes. Right? This thing is one of the most connected devices you can yeah, think it's about. It's always on the internet. And what they told me, what I love is when you pour a drink, they know they, like how, what you're pouring and what you're mixing. And I just think that's just amazing. The, the amount of data they're getting from these, uh, these Coke machines is, 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 is disturbing. I mean, that's like surveillance for, you know, for, for pop. Now, the question is, if the line was cut, would you still be able to actually Can mix you still Coke? Get soda? I, I don't know. It I, might not. I don't know. Right? When you go to, the, um, when you go to fill up your, your car and the credit card authorization is no longer viable for the automated pumping systems, do they shut down 
The I retail? saw someone tweet about that. The actual machine outside was broken, and she tweeted, I have to go inside and pay like a poor person. Right. But let's say the machine was broken, but let's say the, 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 the line was cut right to that retail. Oh, to the total. No, it was just the machine outside. She actually didn't want to talk to people. Right. So <laughs> there's two parts to this. The reality is there's a dependency component yep. here uh, that is, is key that we have to be aware of because it all becomes a support or design issue first, but then a support issue. Yeah. That's good stuff. Let's give everybody back, because uh, we're supposed to go for another 10 minutes here, but let's give everybody back uh, some of their day. You think we're good? Pretty good. All right, so you can find Practitioner Radio on iTunes, uh, right? iTunes. Are we still on iTunes? Yeah, we're on iTunes. Have they pulled us yet? No, we're, no, we're still, still on iTunes. On? Right. Uh, you can find it over on Troy's blog. By the way, if you don't read Troy's blog, it is a, it's a masterful work. Would it be okay to say masterful? Uh, you can say so. Well, you don't like it when I talk. He gets very shy. He's very humble. I, That's what I love about this man. Uh, and then I, I, we could copy the show there. And if, you, if you're on your phone, you can find SoundCloud. So just under Practitioner Radio. Uh, three years. And uh, gosh, it's just such a pleasure. And I look forward to Practitioner Radio 2.0. It's on your blog, too, a service sphere. Oh, yeah. No one reads my stuff. Uh, <laughs> no one reads my stuff. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great conference. Enjoy nice. uh, Commander and, Hatfield. Yeah, be nice to each other. There's too much crazy stuff out there. Take care, folks. Mm -hmm.